So we, were, we are continuing now on our Christmas season journey, as I already mentioned, seeing the Christmas story from different perspectives. Last week, we wanted to start with the perspective of God Almighty, God the Father, the sovereign creator and sustainer of all life. And in Galatians chapter 4, we find evidence of what was going on in his plan. We found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And we continue on into verse 5 of Galatians 4, and it has these two words, to redeem. What a powerful expression of the Christmas story. God, at exactly the right time, sent Jesus. We're talking about socially, economically. I mean, last week we talked about all these different areas where it was the exact right time for God to send his son, Jesus, to redeem us. Well, we're going to kind of take that thought from last week and advance it a little bit through another perspective, the perspective of angels. Anytime you want to see a story come alive, just ask those witnesses. Ask those who are part of the story. Ask the different perspectives and the story will come alive. Uh, Some of us saw that happen in our very homes this morning. Who took my brush? And the story abounds from different perspectives, right? Who ate the last muffin? Or where did the milk go? You know these stories and all of a sudden this perspective happens and this perspective happens. And before you know it, you're like, wow, that was quite a story. There's a lot happening here. But what we're talking about Through the Christmas season, this journey is looking at this beautiful story, Christ's birth birth from different perspectives. So here we are with the angel's perspective. I hope you've been preparing your mind, your hearts to receive the word this morning, receive this discussion on angels. But um, I want us to take, to start off by, by talking about birth announcements. Like, what are you talking about? Have you ever had the joy of announcing some really, really, really good news? But you had to wait. Oh, man. That's, that sickness in your stomach because you just want to share this good news with everyone. But you've had to wait. You have to wait maybe five minutes and you couldn't hardly wait to hold the news in. And you had to wait maybe five hours and it's like, oh, it's just welling up inside of you. Or maybe five days maybe five weeks or five months or even some five years. You had to wait five years to share this good news. Well, I want us to think about this in terms of what practically happens in our lives. A lot of times where we wait to share good news, to post good news, to send out letters of good news is generally through engagements and the expecting of a child. And what happens? We send out these announcements. We send out this word so people can get excited. Well, there's another aspect to this. So we have the baby announcement. We have the engagement announcement, the baby announcement. But then for me, probably the most exciting one is because we get to see pictures of helpless little babies created however the parents want them to look in this picture. They're called baby birth announcements. Have you seen these? They're amazing. This little helpless baby, the parents can paint whatever picture about this baby to announce this child's birth. This week I was looking at a couple of them. Nothing awesome, amazing, but I was, well, anytime there's a baby, it's amazing. They're beautiful. 
But some parents, they get creative with this. Some parents, they get sarcastic with this. Some parents, simply informational. Some of them go all out, and it's epic. Well, this week I was looking at different birth announcements. I thought there's fun of them. I love how this guy is already set up to fail. Future ladies' man. I love this one. This one. Here's his charge, if you can see it in the bottom right, this birth announcement, stealing his parents' heart, plea guilty. Like, that's creative. These parents probably had this in their mind for more than five minutes. They've been planning this for a while. Better lock up your daughters because Jude Freeman, he's here. Look at the look on his face. He's scared to death, right? So if you don't want to lock up your daughters, lock up your sons. Lock up your sons. My daddy has guns. I love that one. Um, The bottom line says, consider yourselves warned with love. (laughs) This one's good. For those financial advisors in this room. (laughs) Notice that little Jason Alexander was born on December 31st. So this is definitely a score in the tax department. Our latest tax deduction. And it says, C schedule 8812. (laughs) I love that. Um, in love and waiting for our refund. This week I was doing some reminiscing. And yeah, I know. I got that soft heart and pulling up different pictures and I just melt when I think about the blessings of the last 15 years and our children. Hannah and I looking for these pictures, found a couple and thinking about how God has blessed us these 15 years with these children and thinking how we were excited to tell people of the birth of our children. So why did I bring that up? Well, this morning, I want us to think of this passage, Luke 2, 8 through 14, as a divine birth announcement. However, God the Father, in all his glory, did not send out the mail out, all right? We do have texts of scripture, but in this particular time, he didn't send out a mail out. He didn't send out a post on whatever social media site that God preferred, you know, Facebook or whatever. He didn't send that out. How did he choose to make this announcement? Well, it is through the creatures that we are talking of today, the angels, These angels sent, as we'll look at next week, to these humble shepherds. When you go to this text of scripture, your heart is just worn because you see a loving God who at the exact right time sent his son. Sent his son, announced to the exact right people. Sent his son to be announced by his creative and joyful messengers. I want us to look at this from the text this morning. Let's look at this text through the eyes of the divine birth announcement. Starting with, if you would follow along with me, starting with verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Quick time out. When I get to heaven, I want an exact replay of that, the great fear part. Okay, time in. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What's the setting of this text today? Kind of, and there's so many depictions. You can go and look at so many different pictures of what people imagine to happen in this story. What's the setting? I mean, we have a little depiction there of angels in the sky, shepherds with their sheep. We can kind of imagine what's happening, but let's kind of through words paint the picture of what's happening here. We are in the fields broadly surrounding Jerusalem. Fields somewhere around a small town called Bethlehem. By the way, do you know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. From the house of bread came the bread of life. The house of bread, this place, this city of David, and around there is where the shepherds would watch their sheep. This was a particular area where these shepherds would kind of congregate around Bethlehem. This Bethlehem was just five miles from Jerusalem. A lot's happening in Jerusalem. So we live roughly about five miles from uh, Reading, between here and Palisadro. And I can tell when things are happening over, even at the sports park, because the whole sky is lit up over there. You can actually hear cheering, all right? On a quiet night, you can hear things happening. If the wind's blowing your direction from Reading, you can hear some things. Just like the other night, down in Palisadro, there were some things happening at the holiday. You can hear things when the wind's blowing. These people are five miles away. It would be like the distance Palisadro is to, Dem- uh, to, to Reading, or from Reading up to like Shasta Lake, or from Reading down to Anderson. Not terribly far, but between these two destinations, there were shepherds out in the field watching their sheep. At the time of this account, by the way, this was given by Dr. Luke, the historian of the New Testament, the doctor of the New Testament, the detail guy of the New Testament. There was a universal decree from whom? Caesar Augustus. Now, in our minds, especially as we've been going through Philippians, we know this guy. This is the dude that fought in the battle of Philippi. You remember this story. This is him. He was technically the first Roman emperor. After all of this stuff had unfolded, after the battle of Philippi, after a couple other battles, this man became the Roman emperor. Octavius is his name, known as Caesar Augustus. And what does he make? He makes a decree, and we're just reviewing the details. He makes a decree that everyone should go back to the place of their birth, basically their family place, the place that their roots come from, and be registered. You know the story, but for Joseph and Mary, both of the line of King David, which has massive implications to what we talked about last week, this was Bethlehem in Judea. So this time, when these shepherds are out there, is a time of travel. People are traveling everywhere. That's not terribly abnormal for Jerusalem, is it? The three major festivals, the feasts that happen in Jerusalem, oftentimes 
makes this whole Jerusalem come alive. I honestly think that very possibly these shepherds, and we'll talk about them next week, they were finding a bit of reprieve out in the fields. The busyness of life happening in Jerusalem, but also I believe they were finding, as we'll talk next week, a bit of solace because what a, what's happening through certain times of year to their sheep? These are the men that raise the sheep that are being sacrificed at the temple. These men very possibly out in the fields now. I know it's a census, but when people would go to Jerusalem, sometimes they would grab these sheep, these sheep that were raised by these shepherds, and sacrifice them to Yahweh. As we go through the setting of this, in this story, we find, yes, that these shepherds had escaped the craziness of the cities, were enjoying the evening in the field, but this story today is not all about the shepherds. It's about those who were watching the shepherds. So we don't know exactly what was happening as it led up to this moment of great fear. But I'm going to tell you, it was exciting. Something was going on. I don't know if a couple of these shepherds maybe were sleeping and nudging each other saying, did you hear that? I don't know, did you hear that? This heavenly host of angels starting to gather around these shepherds. Waiting for the go time, game day. It's time to announce something's happening in these fields. But before we even get to what's happening in the fields, I want us to think beyond this. What about these angels? Let's just put our thinking caps on a minute as we think biblically about these angels. What's happening in their lives? Today I want us to think through these basic points about angels. At Christ's birth, the angels had thoughtfully observed the unfolding of God's plan. We'll start with that one, and then we'll go to, at Christ's birth, the angels triumphantly proclaimed the arrival of God's rescuer. Let's start with the first one. You can circle the word observed, because it's very important in the life of angels. Like, what, what are you talking about? I put a couple texts of scriptures on your handout, and I'm, I just want to focus on the first one for just a minute. There's a, there's a lot of words in this passage. <laughs> so I highlighted the primary ones to think about. That is the prophets, and, the, and then this little addition at the end of this phrase, these verses. These three verses are focusing very clearly on the prophets proclaiming the gospel. Last week we talked of this, did we not? This storyline happening up until the birth of Christ, the prophets are announcing these things. They're looking forward to the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. Well, Peter takes account of this in these verses. I'm going to read these three verses. And like I said, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in these three verses. So just hold on as we go through them, starting with this. Concerning this salvation, that we're talking of this salvation, this redemption, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully. So we have these prophets that are very interested in what's happening here. Prophets don't know all the details of what's unfolding here in the redemption story. These prophets are penning the words as the Holy Spirit of God works on their lives. Verse 11 says this, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. Verse 12, it was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that, that have now been announced to you 
through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Who is that talking about? There's, there's, there's a good indication here. We're, we're leading right to the angels, those who preach the good news. And very clearly, at the end of these three verses, we find a really cool phrase. Things into which angels long to look. What is that saying? As the gospel is unfolding through history, the angels are watching things unfold. Very clearly, as you go through scriptures, angels cannot participate in redemption like humans can. They cannot have their souls changed through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But what's happening through these angels is they're watching things unfold. I think of it like a sports fan watching the Big Ten championship game. Their eyes are glued. I think of it like a teen watching the screen during the climax of an intense action thriller. They're just watching. In our family, I love when we're watching a movie to sit real close to one of my daughters and just rah, grab them right, right at that moment. They hate it, but it's fun. I, I think of the city of Reading as in August as we're watching what's going to happen with that lightning storm. What sirens are going to go off? What airplanes are going to start moving and be deployed? There's something happening here in this passage These angels are proclaiming something that they have observed for nearly 5,000 years. The point is this. Through history, the angels had thoughtfully observed God's plan unfold. Let's think of these angels generally. What's going on with these angels? What's happening with these angels? Who are these angels? Well, we kind of find evidence through Scripture about these angels. First of all, they are created by God. We find that in Psalm 48. Created individually by God. But they were created as an enormous group of messengers. When were they created? Sometime before the creation of the world. We don't know exactly when, but sometime before God established the world, he created these angels. Job 38 talks of this. They were created beings with a couple things. As you go through scriptures, you find they had intellect. They had emotions. They had will. They had a different physical structure than human beings, although sometimes by God's sovereign plan, they could take on the form of a a human. They were given special assignments by God Almighty. This is what you were created to do. Now go do it. They were created with rank. You ever thought about that? There were ranks of angels, varying assignments among these angels. These angels were predominantly, primarily God's messengers. They were sent with a particular message from God Almighty. More specifically, all right, let's talk about these angels with intelligence from God. They are not all-knowing. That's one thing we need to remember about these these angels. They are not all-knowing. They don't know the next piece of the plot. They can watch it. They can surmise what's going to happen. But I think with the angel heavenly host, there's a lot of nudging like, did you just see that? Did that just really happen? They're taking on information, these angels. Their classroom is the universe. Their subject matter, their primary subject matter is the human race and what God is doing to work his plan in the human race. That is what's happening with these angels. 
Okay, now let's think specifically about the heavenly host in the fields of Bethlehem. What's happening with these angels? I'm going to tell you, as I read this text, I can't see how these angels were not overflowing with excitement. It was abounding in their lives. I mean, just think about this with me. They had observed over 4,000 years of God unfolding his plan. Okay, let's review some of the things that they had seen. What had they seen or been part of? First of all, before even the creation of the world, what had they experienced? Well, you'll remember this angel of light known as Lucifer, Satan, very clearly we see in the scriptures that he being overwhelmed with pride drew away a third of the angels. Do you remember this account? Cast out of heaven. So we need to remember in our minds that the angels in the field in Bethlehem were those who were loyal to God Almighty. They had already chosen to pursue God and his glory rather than to follow Satan and his destruction. So they had experienced this with Satan. They had watched some of these angels that they were created with being cast out of heaven. When we think of these angels, what else did they experience? I love this because in Job 38, Psalm 141, but especially John, uh, Job 38, sorry, Psalm 148, Psalm 148. But in Job 38, I love this because what are the angels doing when God is creating the world? It says they shouted for joy. Can you imagine that? The angels, God's created beings, watching as God in these six days create this world. And what are they doing? Wow! Did you see that? Yeah, I wouldn't miss it. Did you see that? What is that animal? Whoa! All of these angels, I believe, watching the creativity of God Almighty as he placed different animals in the garden, different trees in the garden, and all of them maybe sitting there with chins hitting their chest thinking, are you kidding me? Did you see what God just did? All of them watching the creativity of God Almighty, watching his glory seen as he specifically made these creatures, two of them, in his own image, Adam and Eve. Do we realize that angels watched this happen? Angels are watching Adam and Eve. And I, I need to go quickly through the story. Or we'll be here all the way till next week. But what's happening in the garden is Adam and Eve given the responsibility to run this garden, to walk with God. Can you imagine what was happening with the angels when Adam and Eve, when Eve actually particularly went next to that tree? Can you imagine what was happening when the serpent started to deceive Eve? I don't know about you, but if I were one of those angels, I'd be like, God, can you just release me? Let me go get that snake. What does God Almighty say? No. I've got a special one that's going to crush that snake. He's coming. But these angels all watching, wondering what's happening. And then Eve, as she takes that apple, and all these angels just wanting to come alive and become unmuted in the scenario. Don't eat that, Eve. Don't do it. The God of all his glory created you, put you in this beautiful garden, and now you're following that creep, Satan? Don't do it, Eve. And then as she eats of the, the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and then takes it to Adam, can you imagine? I think that these angels, with emotion, were very possibly devastated 
okay, we lived in close to, well, we lived in close to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And when the Packers lost, it was like depression for the whole region. Now, I, didn't, I didn't go through depression, but a lot of the others did. I can imagine that, that was a weird illustration for depression, what's going on all around because of one event happening. I can imagine what's happening with the angels watching the garden, the, all the angels just possibly even crying and moaning, saying, no, why did you do that? But then as we advance through the story, we see very clearly God Almighty stepping in and saying, you know what, that, that snake, he's going to be crushed. I'm providing someone to crush him. And now the angels, just like the humans, the angels are watching for that rescuer to come. When's the rescuer going to come? As we travel through our Bibles, we see people that could be the rescuers. We're talking about possibly Noah. Nah, he's not the rescuer. But through him, God preserved the human race. We find when it's got to be Abraham, the, the angels nudging themselves. Hey, look, God made a covenant with Abraham. It's got to be him. It's not Abraham. But through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So we're still looking for this rescuer. Just along with the human beings, the angels are observing. They're looking into this. They're trying to get more clues. Is it Moses? Oh, certainly it's Moses. Watching God give Moses the Ten Commandments. Watching Moses walk with the children through the Red Sea just prior to that. It's got to be Moses. No, it's not Moses. I mean, we traveled through the kings, and sometimes God would release his angels to go share proclamation with his human being, his primary creations. He would send these ones to go share the information, the rest watching like, wow, that is super cool. They're desiring to look into this, as Peter tells us. They're desiring to see this plan unfold. They come to the kings, and David, can you imagine what's happening with David? They see a man after God's own heart fall into sin David but then to see the grace and mercy and kindness of God promised to David that through your kingly line the Messiah will come these angels are watching all of this unfold can you imagine what's happening now as it's like replay of Eden we talked about this on Wednesday night when God's people are occupied the land, the judges are, are constantly going through this cycle of sin. The kings constantly going through this cycle of sin. And now what happens from this promised land? The children of Israel are kicked out in exile. Can you imagine the angels just scratching their heads thinking, what is happening? They're desiring to look into this redemptive plan. Peter tells us that. And then we have these years called 400 silent years historically these angels are at bay these angels watching what's unfolding watching the traditions of men rise to the top these angels watching as people kind of puff out their chest and put their chin up and say we can do this these angels watching sin abound in creation these angels knowing that the rescuer's coming but do we have to wait any longer i'm telling you Sometimes it's hard to wait for five minutes. Sometimes it's, wait, it's hard to wait for five hours. Sometimes it's hard to wait for five days or five weeks or five months or five years. Can you imagine waiting for 5,000 years to fulfill what you were created to do? So when you think of these angels, these angels were created, many of them, I believe, 
to see something happen. These angels were created to announce the coming of the rescuer. He is here. After 400 silent years, the appointed time was here. Now they were ready to proclaim a lot of elbow shoving. Hey, hey, we're almost on. It's our curtain call. We're almost up. Are you ready? All the time they were ready to do their job proclaiming. Now here it was. The greatest announcement of all history. The birth announcement of the rescuer. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't think they just sang it. We just talked, we just sang some songs about angels singing it. I think there was a little bit of singing going on. I think there was a whole lot of shouting going on. I think the whole skies erupted with glory to God in the highest. These angels couldn't contain themselves after waiting 5,000 years and watching all of this unfold, observing all of what God was doing through human history. And now it's time. It's time to proclaim the rescuer. So, how did they do it? Let's take a couple minutes and talk about how they proclaimed. What was the message they proclaimed? They had a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> now they're watching this unfold and they were given the instructions from God Almighty. Say this. And now what are they saying? We find here, before we even look at what they say, let's look at who said it. The angels triumphantly proclaimed the arrival of God's rescuer and who started the discussion? It was very possibly this angel named Gabriel, an angel of the Lord. We don't know for certain, but very possibly it was Gabriel, an angel of the Lord. He pops onto the scene to these shepherds in the middle of the night, who we'll talk of next week. These shepherds watching, and all of a sudden, Gabriel's before them. They heard stories of Gabriel. Now here he is. Can you imagine the smile on Gabriel's face? <laughs> Can you imagine the excitement of Gabriel to be able to proclaim what he's about to say? And what does he stay? He say he starts with this: "Fear not." <laughs> I love that. It's actually an expression of great concern. Don't fear. This is not something to be afraid about. This is something to be excited about. Have you ever been scared to death? <laughs> I mean, so scared that you, you're just like traumatized so much that you can't move. There's been only a handful of times in my life when I've been really, really, really scared like that. Usually they come uh, when I'm out in the woods camping or something like that. Something happens out there and you can't explain that noise you just heard, but you know you can't move. Uh, I remember one time I took a group of junior high boys and we went camping and we were... Uh, there was another group of people that were camping not too far from where we were. And in the middle of the night, I'm sleeping, in the middle of the night, there was like this blood-curdling curdling scream from this adult woman. It just shocked me. I sat up in my tent, about jumped right out of my tent. What is happening? And then I heard people coming around consoling her and people, uh, put people taking care of the situation. But in my mind, I was shocked. I couldn't hardly move. I was thinking, what is happening over there? Someone's got to help her. Maybe you've been there. You've been in a situation where you can't hardly move because it woke you up. It woke you up and you are scared. I think about what this angel is saying to these shepherds. Hey, don't be afraid. This isn't something to be afraid about. And they're like, yeah, but you. <laughs> You're here. That's not normal. So what happens with these angels these angels, this one primary angel, possibly Gabriel, 
declares the good news. Not only does this angel assure the shepherds not to fear, don't fear, but what does he do? He assures them, he declares to them, this is really, 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 really good news. How does he say it? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He says good news of great joy. This is the same word for gospel. What is he saying? I'm bringing you the gospel. Shepherds, here you go. Here's the gospel. And this gospel is going to do something. It will bring great joy. This is gospel, a proclamation of unfathomable fathomable joy to a broken world of pain and sorrow. I'm bringing you the news that God is active in how he's fixing this broken world. This says this, good news of great joy that will be for all people. I love this. This is not exclusive to Bethlehem. This is not exclusive to Jerusalem. This is not exclusive to Jewish believers. This is for all who will believe in Jesus. I can imagine that if these shepherds were keen on the Abrahamic covenant that we talked of last week, they were like, oh boy, here it is. He just said, did you, did you hear him? Remember what Abraham said? That in the Messiah, all the families of the world would be blessed? He just said that. This is legit. This angel of the Lord declared good news. This angel of the Lord also revealed the unexpected details. Now, I need you to put that word unexpected, maybe put parentheses around it, and put above it expected and unexpected. That should have been clear. I should have put that more clearly in the notes because there were elements of this that were clearly expected according to prophecy. There were other elements of this that were just like, what? What are some of the clear elements of this these details in verse 11 for unto you this day is born in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord as these angels are explaining these shepherds possibly looking back and forth to each other like oh yeah it is legit it's in the city of david that's where the messiah was promised to come to it's bethlehem it's the house of bread and this will be a sign for you here's the sign the unexpected sign i believe you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. What? When is this going to happen? It's happening to you today. The angel of the Lord's coming to them. Gabriel's saying, hey guys, this is happening today. Ready or not, it's here. Today, the Savior has arrived. When does it happen? It's happened today. Where is it happening? It's happening in the city of David. These shepherds would have known this. It's legit. It's from David's line. Remember, this census is happening right now. This is from King David's place. And then he shares the unexpected. You're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Can you imagine the shepherds looking at each other when they said that? Where did that come from? He's in a feeding trough? This Messiah is in a feeding trough? We really got to go see this, guys. <laughs> The Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords is in a feeding trough wrapped in swaddling clothes. Who is this? I love this because I can imagine Gabriel packing his guns with all he can, all it's worth. And he's saying these names of, of the Messiah. He says he is the Savior. This Jesus, this baby is the rescuer. Last week we talked about this. This word savior, another word for this is deliverer or rescuer. And Gabriel's standing there and saying, hey, the rescuer's here. He came. It's time. Not only savior, he says, 
Savior who is Christ. This is clearly referenced to the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one of Israel. The anointed one is here. And then he says, it is Christ the Lord. He is the divine master of the universe. He's the covenant-keeping God of Israel, seen in all his deity, all his glory. Jesus Christ has come, the Savior, the Lord, the Christ is here. And these shepherds nudging each other saying, yep, this is legit, let's go. But before they could even go, what happens in the story? I think the fear factor goes out the roof. What happens? The heavenly hosts of angels show up. If we could just put ourselves in this field that night... These guys trying to assimilate the information they were just given from Gabriel. Christ the Lord is here. The Savior's here. He's in swaddling clothes. He's lying in a manger. And they're kind of like, yeah, okay, wow. Are you getting this? And all of a sudden, they're shocked. Shocked out of their sandals. They're falling back because the whole sky fills with the brightness of the glory of God. These angels. And suddenly, as Luke shares with us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Hey, we don't know exactly how many were showing up, showed up in the, in the field in Bethlehem. But I am going to say, you can go compare different texts and scriptures, primarily Revelation 5.11. I love how it talks about this host, and here's how it's explained. Myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Daniel 7.2 talks about these hosts, in a sense, these angels, 10,000 times 10,000. Here's how Hebrews 12 explains this host of angels. Innumerable angels. Go ahead and try to count them. Possibly it was just a handful of selected angels sent to the field that night, but I think very possibly it was millions and millions of angels who couldn't wait to share the good news. The whole sky alive with glory of God as these angels for 5,000 years were created to do this. Announce that Jesus was born. Don't hold back. He's here. These angels proclaiming this. I've walked up on um, professional football fields or soccer fields and stadiums that will house, I mean, 75,000. I mean, you, you walk up on a stadium, and if you're late to the game or whatever, you can hear the roar of the crowd. Any of you experienced that? I mean, I, we were at Lambeau Field, Hannah and I, at one of these games. It was crazy. Ten degrees. But it was like as warm as the summer in there because everybody was all huddled together. Watching these Green Bay Packers, 81,000 people strong in that stadium. And it was loud. I think of what happens down in AT&T Stadium, down in um, Arlington, Texas, AT&T Field, where they house 100,000 people. And then in my mind, I think, okay, now times that by 10. A million angels, innumerable amount of angels, all in the skies proclaiming Jesus is here. He finally is here. Having waited 4,000 years to proclaim this, the angels were baited for this special moment in human history. Now, here it is. And what do these angels do? First thing they do is confidently proclaim the glory of Almighty God. Why is this important? Because this is the whole purpose for the creation. All of human creation is created for this one point. God and His glory. 
These angels had watched as, as Satan himself doubted this glory. They watched as a third of the angels were cast out of heaven because they doubted the glory of God. They watched as Adam and Eve doubted the glory of God in the garden. And all the way through human history, God's glory was questioned. Now what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? All of them in unison saying, glory to God in the highest. Don't you ever forget it, shepherds. He's here in all his glory, as if they were saying, this was what we were all created for. Let's remind you of something with the first phrase, glory to God in the highest. What is happening right now in a stable, it's all about God's glory. Unquestionably, this is going to bring glory to God. And these angels and the heavenly host, they confidently proclaim God's glory. But not only that, they move on from this glory. It's like this glory of God leads us right to this next statement. The glory of God is seen in the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Think about that. They'd watched 5,000 years of unpeace, brokenness in this world. These angels had seen destruction in God's perfect creation. The image of God and man marred through sin. These angels had observed all of this, and now they can't wait to shout out peace. When we think of this peace, it's unquestionably a theme in the Jewish culture. Even if you go today to Israel, what are they going to say to each other? Shalom. This is, this is big on the Jewish people's minds. Peace is more, though, than just this peace within the land. This peace is a right standing with a holy God. This Jesus is going to do more than eventually fix what's happening here in this brokenness. This Jesus is going to mend the hearts of a broken people with a holy God. And that's what the angels proclaim. By the way, these angels, they can't experience that mending. They can't experience the peace the way you and I can. This peace that passes all understanding. And this peace, is, as the angels continue to proclaim, peace among those with whom he is pleased, towards those on earth whom God's good pleasure rests and who subsequently have placed their repentant faith in Christ, establishing an eternally secure relationship. This is who this peace rests on. A basic restatement of what these angels are saying would be something like this. Peace on earth to those who, through God's pleasure, have experienced Jesus Christ. What is this? This is the proclamation of the Messiah and the gospel. What is this? This is the excited angels to the lowly shepherds proclaiming the glory of God to rescue mankind. What is this? This is the gospel. And as we narrow this down to a key idea, summarizing factors, we go our way this morning, I think we'd have to narrow it down to this type of a phrase. Jesus, the Messiah, is worthy, brothers and sisters, to be joyfully praised and confidently proclaimed. Guess what? We can be part of this. In the scriptures, in the Bibles you hold on your lap, you clearly see that as we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we can be part of this. When we think of this passage, I think as seen through the ministry of the angels, Jesus is worthy to be joyfully proclaimed. 
are praised and confidently proclaimed. Why? If you look on the back of your sheet, here's why. Because Jesus is the highlight of the good news. Jesus brings great joy to all people. Jesus was born as the perfect God-man. Jesus is the rescuer of mankind. He's the Savior. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's Christ. Jesus is the master of all. He's Lord. Jesus was born in lowliness. Jesus brings glory to God. And Jesus brings peace to the earth. So what? We can go out these doors in a little bit. So what? How, how is our week this week going to be any different? I would say this question. This week, will you confidently proclaim the peace that only Christ can offer? This is, this is not something to be held in. This is not something to conceal. Unashamedly proclaiming that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Maybe you don't confidently proclaim it because... I'll put this out there today because maybe you're thinking through this in your own mind. Maybe you can't confidently proclaim it because you've never experienced it. And that's where I would lead to this other question. Between you and God, have you experienced, have you participated in the peace that only Christ can offer? I don't want to take for granted that every single person here in this room has experienced the peace that only Christ can offer. This peace only comes through a faith that's put in Jesus Christ. This peace only comes as we realize that we, are, we came into this world as broken. And that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. It only comes as we realize that Jesus Christ was our substitute. Last week we looked at the fact that he was born to redeem. He was born to die and to raise This peace only comes as we place our faith and trust in his finished work on the cross, his victorious resurrection, the new life that only he can bring. If you're wrestling with peace with God today, can I just plead with you, let today be the day when you come to him, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you come to him and see as he changes your life from the inside out? God, we thank you for this passage. I only wish I was there to see these angels confidently proclaim glory to God and peace on earth. I want to thank you for this passage. I thank you for the Holy Spirit of God working on Dr. Luke to pen these words in the scriptures. And I pray to God that our hearts would be overwhelmed with the same content that these angels proclaimed after waiting thousands of years. Christ the Savior has come. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace.